There's Lemieux. The center penalty coming up. Look at Lemieux. Hockey fans, it is Talking Hockey, the Hockey Talking Show. This is Clips Show Part Two. Uh, I am co-host Tom. With me, as always, I've got co-host Randy, and he's keeping hydrated, folks. That's the, one of the most important parts of hockey, for sure. You got to carb up, carb load, as we like to call it in the business, and uh, stay hydrated. So, how you doing today, co-host Randy? Well, I'm pretty sure this is called multitasking because when you're drinking beer, you're staying hydrated and you're carb loading. So uh, <laughs> there you go, boys. Yeah. But yeah, no, it's uh, we're here at Sucrums again. No, no trains going by. Not yet. Uh, we got some music in the background. Yeah. Uh, but I gotta do actually do a special shout out. Today's episode, our first episode, having our friend and. Let's call him a co-teammate for now. Yeah. Uh, James Humberstone is, is taking the reins on, right. on this audio engineering and, and the producing. So, uh, so James, welcome to the fold. Uh, yeah. We'll tag you uh, on the Instagram post and all that stuff uh, where people can find you. But James is, is taking the reins here. So uh, kudos to James and uh, let's talk some hockey. Yeah, pretty great to have him on board. Uh, you know, he's kind of like the substitute goalie coming in and we're just gonna rifle pucks right by his ear there and see how he handles he, it yeah he's got no warm-up no chance for a warm-up <laughs> <laughs> but no that's good but i can no longer refer to you as producer randy um, no it's producer james i guess yeah now. so well actually you know what funny story i totally forgot about producer tim from oh from TSN. jay and dan but yeah yeah he passed away didn't he really i i, I maybe oh, geez. yeah I, I'm pretty sure that I, that's what I saw, but anyways, oh, wow. okay. just seeing Dan O'Toole back online and he's yeah. kind of got his new... He's doing his new thing. He's doing his I, new thing, which is kind of cool to see. Yeah. Like, you know, like he, I always loved Jay and Dan, and then when Dan got the boot, I kind of was like... And they kept I still, Jay. I still watched it because I like Jay, but like it was kind of like, I, I didn't watch as much because I, you know, I, missed, I missed Dan. Yeah, and like they're a duo, and then also if you think about Tim and Sid, yeah. and now it's just... Just Tim, Tim and, and friends. Tim and friends. Yeah. Uh, but also, our friend Ken uh, Reed uh, is who, one of those friends who we're going to hear from yeah. shortly here on this episode. Also, Ken's friend Ivanka oh, yeah. is also on the show. There so go. there you go. Yeah, but anyways, yeah. long story short, we're now recording <laughs> clip show number two. Yeah, yeah. Clips. So it's come to this clips show. Hi, I'm Troy McClure. You might remember me from previous clips shows, <laughs> such as Talking Hockey, the Hockey Talking Show, Clips Show Part One. Uh, Which actually yeah. was quite fun, uh, for more than one reason. We were here at Sucrums. Yeah. Uh, number two, we had all the punk rock legends on that yeah. episode. Yeah. And number three, we played a bunch of great tunes. Yeah. Uh, on that episode, this one's gonna be a little different. Less tunes, more talking, and that's right. why we call it talking on. <laughs> that's, that's right. And and we've got all kinds of wicked clips coming up for you on this show. So like. People like the aforementioned Ken Reed of Sportsnet fame. You got 
legendary hockey band, the Zambonis, coming out of Connecticut. I was going to call it Connecticut, New York. And then I was like, <laughs> wait a second, I'm a geography major. That is not a good look. Connecticut, USA. It's beside New York. Um, we got amazingly, like everybody's a legend here. We got Dave Bedini, famously of uh, the Rio Statics, but also like author of many books, including various hockey books, like the, the one about the hockey nomad life and um, you know, going to playing in China and the desert and all those other places. We've got Sheldon Burney, local Winnipeg author and hockey guru legend. We've got Jason Goulet, owner of No Name Hockey and former uh, semi, well, not semi-pro, pro. full-on pro. Full-on pro. Yeah. And then we've got NHL E-bug, E-bug Dustin Dembones Smith, or just Bones. Bones. I always do that. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> Dembones is his Instagram handle. <laughs> That's right. But either way, any way you slice it, folks, we got quite a lineup of clips for you today. It's going to be a doozy, so make sure you stay tuned because, you know, it's... It's the hits. They keep on coming. This is not the 138th episode spectacular. This is the, I'd say season 330 or so episode uh, spectacular. But it is a spectacular for sure. Clip show. I just keep referencing the Simpsons clip shows, you know. So it's come to this. A clip show. Uh, anyway. But I think though, like, when we look back on this past season of... of this talking, is episode 30, by the way. Yeah, episode 30. Nice, it yeah. is. So why don't we call it... Mike like, Vernon? Or I don't know. Mike Vernon? Yeah, like like 30 is kind of definitely a goalie number. It's a classic goalie number. Yeah. So, you know, maybe we'll get back to you on that, of, of which uh, goalie we might <laughs> reference this as. But but just looking back on season three of Talkin' Hockey, the Hockey Talkin' Show, we had such a like awesome time getting all these great guests, you know, that it, it all just kind of started randomly happenstancey kind of style with Ken Reed was like one of our kind of first guys that we reached out to, eh? And then he was like, let's get her going, boys. And he was very into it. And then we like studied his books, like just, you know, crammed like for a, an exam. We like went to the library and got his books. And, you know, this is this is back in the winter, high COVID protocols. So you got to like go online and select the book and then go pick it up through a, like a glass window or whatever. like. You know, I got to tell you, it's nice to be here in person and yeah, be able to be like, to, cheers, Yeah, like you know? physically see yeah, you, uh, yeah. not on a screen. Mm-hmm. Uh, but you know what? I think we have to maybe throw back to, and you're, you know, the folks at home, I hopefully you guys won't get mad at me, but uh, <laughs> our first guest was not Ken Reed. It no. was the guy from that hockey school from Minnesota. Oh, yes. Danny, yeah. Minnesota Hockey Danny. Yeah, yeah, Project Hockey. That's where we cut our teeth with, with guests. That's right. And then Ken, I think, was yeah, the one that Yeah, that's right, that's that. right. Well, and to be honest, maybe our first guest was really Matt Nightingale of local comedy True. troupe. Um, but he, and he was in, uh, he was in studio Picnic with us. Face. Yeah, that's right. Uh, or not Picnic Face, fuck, that's, uh, I'm getting all mixed up over here. Um, but uh, Jared, punks. Jared from UMFM has joined us in yeah. the bunker. Yeah, yeah. Uh, you know, we've had guests like that. But yeah, Project Hockey, I remember, was our right. first guest that we did. That was right around my birthday in January. And okay. We, and we, uh, yeah, we reached out to Danny, and he was gung ho and a great guy. And uh, you won't be hearing a clip from him today. Uh, but you know what? That doesn't mean that you shouldn't go back into the archives and check out that episode. If you go in the archives, look for uh, sometime mid to early January, 
and uh, I think that's when we had Danny on from Project Hockey. And he played junior hockey down in Minnesota. We got some sweet tales of, uh, or Nebraska, I should say. We got some sweet tales of junior hockey in the United States. And it was interesting just to connect to with an American about hockey because honestly, like our, Danny Heath. There you go. Yeah. There you go. Just found it. Danny Heatley. Uh, yeah, heater. <laughs> but like our hockey perspective up until that point was like entirely Canadian, entirely like Manitoban to some degree. We hadn't really considered that like maybe there was like a whole another world of people out there who liked hockey. And then all of a sudden, like uh, of, of the group of people that we have had on the show this past year, like 50% at least were American, eh? Like there was a lot. We, we, you know, we got a bunch of Canucks on there. And this clip show, we've got a good solid crew of Canucks, almost maybe even all of them almost, but. Well, well, yeah, and all, for a lot of these guests too, we had to deal with time zones. Mm -hmm. You know, we had Eric Melvin from from California. We yeah. had from West Coast to East Coast. So it's yeah. like you got to do the math. It's That's like right. what, what time are we doing here, boys? Yeah, quite conveniently, we're right in the middle here in Manitoba. So it's uh, you know six of one, half does the other. We kind of go either way. But so actually, before we look ahead and and maybe dive into some of these clips, let's talk about where things are at. Yeah, you want to get caught up? Wise. Get caught up on the Jets and stuff. Well, the Jets, and then also like Seattle. Like, yeah. let's, let's we got we got expansion we, draft. I, I'm sure regular our, draft. I'm sure our buddy, the car to the car guy, McPhillips Toyota, driving to summer with McPhillips Toyota. Yeah. I'm pretty sure he wants some hot takes from the boys. Yeah. So man, imagine a Rev Four with like cruise control and air conditioning right now. You should Cruising just, down the highway. You should drive into McPhillips Toyota and find yourself one of those. <laughs> so first off, let's just start with the Jets. Yeah. What are your takes on where the Jets are at? Well, actually, you know, since finishing, you know, getting swept by Montreal to, you know, where they are now with yeah. the new additions. Well, you got to like the, uh, to me, you got to like the two new additions on defense, Nate Schmidt and uh, Brennan Dillon. That beefs up the blue line in a big way. It's kind of like upgrading Derek Forbort and Tucker Poolman. So I can't see how that's a bad thing because objectively, like throw the salaries out the window and just look at it on ice. It's an improvement. And I think there's going to be a lot of competition for the last defense spot, which will be probably between Logan Stanley and Vili Hanala. It's basically, I think, the last spot there. And you got to think that Stanley's got the upper hand having played most of last year. But up front, you know, there's a few uh, roster positions. Mason Appleton is off to Seattle. Thank you for your services. Liked him a lot. Still, you know, I think he's going to continue to grow as a player and be a good player. But, you know, I think the Jets could put in a vessel line in oh, for there, sure. you know, yeah. and, and get away with it kind of thing. So I'm not too shook up about that. You know, the entire fourth line is gone. Perot to Montreal, Thompson to Philly, Lewis to Calgary. I would have loved to see Perot and Lewis come back on, you know, value contracts. That didn't happen. So there's opportunity for young guys like David Gustafson and, yeah, like Harkins, Harkins like you mentioned. Yeah. And then they picked up uh, Riley Nash, who's a classic fourth line mm. center. So you know that guy's got a bit job, basically. So there's kind of like two, three open positions on forward. And then you're looking at the backup goalie. There's a bit of a question mark. Is it Comrie? Is it going to be somebody else? So I like the way the Jets are looking going into this season, and definitely the blue line upgrades. Big fan. 
Big yeah, time. and I think the perspective league-wide or hockey-wide, yeah. a lot of people are impressed with what the Jets have done. Yeah. Also, like Brendan Dillon and, and uh, Nate Schmidt were done pre-free agent frenzy. Right. They yeah. were they were trades. So the Jets gave up some picks, but also they're getting in some very valuable, skilled D-men, like what they've been lacking basically yeah. since Dustin Bufflin left. And no no Bufflin, no Myers, no Sherratt. Like, yeah. Now it feels like we've got a pretty solid defense yeah, back there. You add a Dillon, a Schmidt, a Stanley. You know, we're looking good back there. Like I don't think they can use that excuse anymore. Yeah. So now if it's like if the Jets don't perform well, then it's something else. Blame the coaches. Yeah. <laughs> but if you go onto capfriendly.com, we've got all these guys for the next three seasons. And then all you know, all that said, like losing Appleton to Seattle, sure, that's that's a tough tough yeah. loss but at the same time if we're losing Appleton and that's a big deal then there's probably bigger problems yeah, you know? yeah, like, yeah. so losing Shifley for the suspension and you saw the the after effects of that yeah. obviously that's understandable but I also think that we haven't seen the real Pierre-Luc Dubois here yeah. in Winnipeg yet no. I have a feeling that it, that's almost going to be like another addition to the squad because he's he's uh, you know like he had his moments but we've, we've watched PLD's for a while. We were big fans of him in Columbus. I took note of him when he was still a junior in Cape Breton, and I'm not concerned. I know he had a crappy year, but I look forward yeah. to the real PLD showing up for And sure. also, if you just think about all the drama that he came off of in right. Columbus, so plus much. having to quarantine, and yeah. like be and in his getting apartment. injured on his second day back. Yeah, and, and then he's like had to like run on the treadmill in his apartment for two yeah. weeks just yeah. to stay in shape. And yeah. like you're already two weeks behind the boys. That's tough. Yeah. It's so tough. I, I have we a all, feeling we're gonna see a brand new PLD. Yeah, year. and you know like all that quarantine stuff and all the lockdown stuff it took its toll on all of us. And can you imagine being a pro hockey player trying to stay in game shape with all that, right? Like so, it's no shocker. Okay, yeah. a few more minutes here. Okay, then we'll get to so the clips. So let's quickly Seattle. Yeah, let's, I was gonna, I was gonna go there for you. Yeah. So how I want to put it for you is like, did Vegas ruin the expansion? <laughs> <laughs> right. Yeah. Because you were expecting Seattle to fucking hit a home run. Right. With potentially Carey Price. They took, or, they took a different route. Yeah. Right. Like I think they're playing the long game here, which we'll see how that works out. Maybe they feel like they've got a fan base that's less fickle than Vegas. Like I feel like that's what Vegas, Vegas is, is about. Now. It's flash and dash, yeah. right? You got to get the hot name. You got to get the let's go now. And that's not just Vegas hockey. That's just Vegas. Yeah. You know, you got you got your Celine Dion's and your whatever. Your Penn and Teller. And, <laughs> yeah. Yeah. <laughs> so, you know, with, with Seattle, maybe they feel like they've got a little more stable situation. They can play the long game. And I think they really beefed up on the back end, on the defense and the goalies. I think they're looking okay there. Pretty solid, and yeah. they can make some moves because I think they've got a bit of a surplus on either side or whatever. Scoring goals will be a problem for them this year, though, unless there's more to come that we haven't really seen yet. Um, yeah, Tarasenko's still out there. Jack yeah. Eichel's still out there. Like, maybe there's some so guys. So maybe they swing a deal yeah. there. And, they, uh, yeah, you never know. But, like, I mean, right now, what do they got? Jaden Schwartz. They got... Um, Brandon Tanev, uh, Appleton. Yeah. I think we were, I don't know if you want to call it the bait and switch or whatever, but as far as, like, how Vegas went for it, and now I think you're right. I think Seattle has another 
game plan in mind. Yeah. And you're seeing this not only with Seattle, you're seeing this with Detroit and Buffalo, teams with tons of cap space. Yeah. You're you're seeing maybe some value that I think pretty soon you're going to see a, a swing mm. that all of a sudden those are the teams that are only going to be able to do stuff. So there might be some value there. Yeah. Also, Shane Wright is the number one pick next year and Connor Bedard is the year after. Right. So I think there's some teams there's some like yeah like some teams lining up. Yeah, yeah. There. Yeah. Putting, you know, I like what Detroit and New Jersey have done this offseason though. New Jersey they signed Freddie Hamilton. They got Tam Dougie. Thomas Tatar. Dougie or Dougie Hamilton. Hamilton, sorry. Who the hell's Freddie Hamilton? His brother. Oh, okay. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> you know, I liked what New Jersey had going last year. They were just you know, not deep enough, lacking a little veteran experience. They're, they're, they're adding some of that. They got Bernier in Nets now, as well as uh, Blackwood. Blackwood. And so I like what Jersey's got going on. And, and then uh, Detroit, they're kind of building towards something. And I, I think Detroit, it won't be terribly long before they're sort of decent again. Yeah, well, with Steve Eiserman, you know, at the controls, in no time, we're going to see Detroit kind of back in contention. Yeah. yeah. Just quickly, what did you think about Marc-Andre Fleury getting, getting oh, sent to Chicago? Yeah, you know, so he just came out on Instagram and was like, I will play for Chicago. I never really questioned that he would. I figured he probably, he's still got hockey left in him. Oh, for sure, but like, you know, but there was from the, the perspective whole... of him being told by Los, or by oh, Vegas right. saying that and you'll, you'll like, retire and like their dedication yeah. to him and then all of a sudden they just flipped yeah. him. So it's yeah. like, they, they just, you know. But that's like classic Vegas. Hockey's like a business, you know. It is. Yeah, and, but yeah. like I think eventually, and they, I, I heard the Hockey Night in Canada crew talking about this, I think last year when they got Stone, they had to move some money in you know, to bring in Stone or Pacioretty or whoever the hell it was. Well, Nick Suzuki went for Pacioretty. Right, and that's Vegas, man. They're going to have to get the flashy names yeah. all the time. Like, that's just what they have to do to get fans in the stands. And right now, they're the hot new thing in town, but soon there's going to be an NFL team there. NFL is obviously a lot bigger than the NHL in, in the States, especially in the desert down there. And, like, the Golden Knights will have to always, at least for the next little while, They'll always have to be doing something splashy to have the sort of local For fanfare. Sure. Player treatment-wise, it's pretty shitty to be doing that kind of stuff. And especially, like, didn't Flurry find out on Twitter or something? something yeah, you know? yeah. Like, I also think, too, like, apparently Vegas is in on Jack Eichel. So you yeah. could see Patch or somebody yeah, get like flipped. like getting shipped out. Yeah, yeah exactly. Uh, like, all of a sudden, Patch in Buffalo. Yeah. He's like, what the fuck? <laughs> And then also Nolan Patrick went from mm. Philly to Nashville to Vegas. So, yeah. like, you know, yeah. who knows? But, yeah, you're right. I think Vegas is going to get known as the team that needs to stay relevant constantly because of their market. Yeah, at least for the next little while until they sort of have a base there that's like, oh, yeah, we're hockey fans, yeah. you know? I also think by November of next year, they'll probably all have forgotten about Marc-Andre Fleury. Yeah, exactly, right? So, but it's just, you know it's just, I really like Fleury in a Hawks uniform. Yeah. I like that a lot. It's tough to see because he's such a great guy and such yeah. a good player and, you know, like his, his career... Yeah. And he's like on his way to become part of that core group of, you know, Broder and Patrick Waugh. And totally. All he's a Hall of Fame guy yeah. who's like yeah. among the legends of For the sure. position. And he's a, he's a French Canadian, yeah. just like uh, the other two. Yeah. So all that said, coming up here, our right. first clip. Yeah. 
Well, I think clip should, show. I think you know it's a clip show. We should go with clips. Uh, <laughs> so we're gonna we're gonna go to the Zambonis, I think, first. Yeah, let's do so. it. Let's yeah. head on down to Connecticut. We'll tar- start with the Z and work our way back. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Reverse alphabetical yeah. order. So Zambonis, we'll we'll we're gonna throw to a tune here, but on the on the way out before the clip, we'll kind of come back and just kind of give a little insight, Reminisce. give Reminisce. a little insight into the clip uh, or into our experience in uh, interviewing Dave and the hockey so this, monkey. So this is a new Zambonis song we're going to play, right? Yeah, brand new. Brand new. So this is called The Gretzky Twist. I assume it's about what we on Crest of Steel call the Gretzky Curl. I assume it's the same thing. The Gretzky Twist, the Gretzky Curl. It's got to be. <laughs> right? But so. maybe we'll have to ask Dave officially in season four yeah. of Yeah, we're gonna have the Zambonis back for sure, yeah. but in the meantime, here's the Zambonis with the Gretzky twist, and we'll see you on the other side of the song. Everybody do the Gretzky twist, yeah. Everybody gonna move like this, yeah. Yeah, you dig to the left and then you dig to the right, Twist by the Zambonis, uh, and we're gonna hear a clip from the Zambonis right away here. But uh, do you remember, like, when we went to talk to them? Um, so it was all via Zoom, obviously. Like they're in the U.S., we're here in Manitoba. 
Um, do you remember when we went to talk to them? We had set it all up, and we go online. Nobody's there. Where's Dave? Dave's not here, man. Where's Dave? <laughs> well, the hockey monkey was there. Yeah. Yeah. It was like, where's Dave? He was at a birthday party. <laughs> so, yeah, while we were on the line, on Zoom, we had, like, we, again, like we, how we mentioned in the, in the first segment, we were dealing with time zones. And so, but I think Dave screwed up the days or something Yeah, he like thought that. it was, like, going to be the next whatever, whatever the next day, day was yeah, yeah. or something. But anyways, so Dave was at a birthday party, and we were on the line with Hockey Monkey. And Hockey Monkey was like, I'm going to call Dave. Yeah. And Dave was like, oh, shoot, I forgot it was tonight. <laughs> and Dave totally left the birthday party. Yeah. Um, but all that said, um, we got a great clip coming up from the boys. But first, first and foremost, Tommy, you got to tell the story. Like, how did you come across the Zambonis? Because oh, you were the one that instigated, and I will use that word with a pun intended, <laughs> uh, instigated the Zambonis onto the Crest of Steel uh, locker room playlist. Yeah, yeah, well, I mean, yeah, so the song that, that I wanted to get on the playlist was the Brass Bonanza, which it was the, the Hartford Whalers goal song. And it's kind of like a Herb Alpert and the Tijuana Brass style thing. And then the Zambonis did a bit of a rock and roll version of that. And, but like, how did I come across the Zambonis? A great question. I think it was kind of like, um, you know, in the in the early days of uh, what was vintage hockey hair, then became sort of talking hockey. I think I just, you know, we had followed each other or something, and then it was like, who's this band doing all these hockey tunes or whatever? And you know, you start hearing the tunes, and then and then they, you know, they won me over at Brass Brass Bonanza, basically. And it's like, so that was kind of how I think I became aware of them. I don't know, but yeah, it was. But I mean, that's that's a pump up, like it's a celebratory pump oh, up jam. Time. Yeah. Right? Like, and all that said, like we were literally on the line with him for what, maybe an hour at the most. <clears throat> Whenever we did these interviews, we always just asked for 30 minutes or yeah. 45 minutes or whatever. Sometimes it went longer if like we were having a good time or whatever. Yeah. But honestly, within the first five minutes, it felt like we all knew oh, each other. Oh, it was like we're buddies from yeah. way back yeah. in the day and we're yeah. all chatting. And, and, was, and you know, yeah. the, you know they, Dave's been big a big fan of the podcast ever since. and. And yeah, well, we look forward to having them back on and uh, mm -hmm. plans for maybe a potential uh, hockey song countdown or something in the future. Totally. But um, all that said, uh, Zambonis, uh, great guest on the show. Um, yeah, if you're in the like uh, eastern seaboard of the United States, go check them out because they play all the time. Um, and you know, just head on over to your local music streaming service and stream some Zambonis. But while you're, before you do that, and you're still listening to this show, check out this clip with the Zambonis. Is there a prerequisite for the guys in the band that you, that you need to play hockey or is it just? No, yeah. no. You know, just, we're, I, I don't, you know, I know it's a hockey podcast, but we are into music probably more than hockey. Some yeah. Of, some of us. So I yeah. love the fact that, you know, for example, Steve, he got in the band and he, he never saw hockey before. He's, he's just, he's an amazing guitarist. He played like with all these great bands. He played with guys from the Dead Boys and yeah. he's been around. Yeah. So I take him to a game and uh, all of a sudden a fight breaks out and he's like, holy shit. I, I let one fly. <laughs> They're fighting. They're fighting. Oh my God. 
And he went home that night. We have a song called Fight on the Ice, which yeah. I didn't write. I, I write a lot of our songs with the, with the other guys. But Steve came back. He's like, I wrote this song called Fight on the Ice. I never knew they had fights in the arena. That's crazy. So, <laughs> so it, it's great. Yeah. So, Matt, how did like, tell us how you uh, joined the squad. How did you get, come into the mix? So me and Dave worked together for the Bridgeport Sound Tigers. I was the mascot for the first, it was the inaugural season for the Bridgeport Sound Tigers. I think it was 2002. No, 99, 2000, 2001. No, it wasn't. It was 2002. I mean, this is really why we should not talk before the show. <laughs> Talking hockey. Um, 2001 or two. All right, fine. I was the on ice MC, and Matt yeah. comes in. Go ahead, Matt. Oh no, yeah, and I was the mascot, and then just we kind of just met, and they gave us kind of in the AHL a little bit of free reign to do kind of whatever we wanted as mascot and MC. So we just kind of, you know, did some different skits. We talked before the, you know, they said that we want you to give out a prize or do the on ice t-shirt toss. We kind of came up with different shtick and, you know, we had a great rapport. And I was like, Hey, you're in this band of Zambonis. And I had actually heard of the Zambonis. I think we had downloaded some stuff off Napster back in the right. day. Of course. Had, yeah. of course. LimeWire, Napster, yeah, yeah. you know, the, the so classics. I'm kind of talking to my friend, Jan. I think, I think this is the same band, you know? And, and then we just got it, started talking and he um, had this beat up, gorilla costume and he was like why don't you come down and wear this gorilla costume to the show and i did it and then we've just been doing it ever since and we have morphed it into that beautiful hockey monkey costume that you can you see somewhere it's here somewhere and it's pretty uh, amazing so like how did you get into being a mascot is that um was it just like oh, i think I, like a job ad you know you're reading the paper uh, i'm going to apply for this or had you been into mascotting of, since like high uh, school or a little bit of a little bit of luck, a little bit of, yeah, I, I went to the University of Rhode Island and okay. I was, you know, I was always kind of, I knew the mascots growing up, you know, the, you know, the different NCAA mascots, whatever the team mascots. And then at college, I kind of, I dabbled in it. We did some events, you know, meet the university events. I didn't get to do any of the good things like the basketball games. I was like the under study to the understudy of Rudy the Ram, but I did some events. And then, uh, Rudy the Ram. I heard that the Bridgeport Sound. I, I was Rudy the Ram. Rudy, Rudy. Um, I was um, so Bridgeport Sound Tigers first season. My friend was working in ticket sales, and he's like, "Hey, we need a mascot." And I was like, "Well, I can ice skate, and I want to be the mascot." So I just kind of showed up, and they gave me the job. Nice. But uh, the story doesn't end there, my friends, because me and Dave, uh, we parted way shortly because I got the call. I got the big call up with Rick DiPietro. I got the oh, call up one time, and I got up to the bigs, and I did seven seasons at the New York Islanders. Amazing. True story. So, I, the I, as the same mascot that was in Bridgeport? No. Uh, Sparky the Dragon. He's still, uh, he's still a mascot today. Okay. okay. I was the uh, first Sparky the Dragon, and I did seven years with the Islanders organization, which is – Impressive. It, it is. That is tenured. Uh, you know, tenured Islanders in that time. I it's like 40, 42 games a, a year. You yeah, know? yeah, it was a lot so of was a lot of games, and uh, yeah, we got the call up with uh, Rick DiPietro and who else was on those teams? Goddard, Eric Goddard, Trent Hunter, Trent Hunter. Yeah, Trent Hunter. So, what was it like doing being a mascot in a in a packed house like that? 
Oh, it was unbelievable. Those... Well, hold on, hold on. Was it packed? Were the okay. Olympics packed? <laughs> the old Nassau Coliseum, I guess. Eh? It's yeah. like... um, I will say, um, passionate fans, and at that time they had that really good playoff series with the Maple Leafs. I think we're thinking, we're talking like, my memory is not great with dates, but 2005, 2006, 2007, the great playoff series with the Tampa Bay, excuse me, the, the Toronto Maple Leafs. And the Coliseum was sold out and just under the, the atmosphere at those games was absolutely incredible. Being just being there was really, really amazing. But the story doesn't end there. Doesn't. You left the big show, said no way Islanders, but you stuck with the hockey band. I did stick with the hockey band. Um, that is true. But I, I got to go to six or so all-star games, I think, because the NHL oh. send all the mascots um, to the to the all-star games. So we had some really good, uh, amazing, amazing times. Scored a goal in the mascot uh, mascot <laughs> hockey game in Atlanta. That was one of my claims to fame. So off a deflection, I couldn't see anything. But uh, you know, went, off my, <laughs> went off my stick. But a lot of those mascots were, you know, really great great hockey players too so it was uh, it was fun you know it was fun That's to get all cool. the mascots together all right all right all right that was our little clip with the zambonis you can find that uh, clip contained within the episode season three episode 20 aka the robotai as you can hear we're here at uh, sucrum's brewery we got the freight train rolling by Fort Rouge Classic, as we like to call it, um, or the Fort Rouge Express, I suppose. Yeah, just uh, hop on the train, get yourself down to uh, Tate Norbert in no time. <laughs> That's right. Um, so yeah, all of these clips, you can check our archives for them. We'll share up what episodes they're from, but that, that Zamboni's clip was from episode 20. Next up, we're gonna be hearing a clip from uh, Dustin Smith, AKA Bones, AKA Ebug, AKA Emergency Backup Goalie, for the Nashville Predators. Uh, Bonesy was good enough to join us um, and have a really great chit chat. Super awesome guy. Told us all about hockey in Nashville, which when I think of Nashville, I'm thinking country music. I'm thinking fried chicken. You know, I'm not really thinking hockey, unless I'm thinking about when the Jets fucking put the smack to the yeah. Preds in uh, the playoffs there a couple well, years that's ago. That's one but... thing I wish we would have chirped him a bit more on, but <laughs> uh, I also wanted to make sure that he would come back as a guest in the future. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> but yeah, you're right. You know, honestly, uh, I think two days ago I watched the uh, the cut down version of the Jets-Preds game seven. Sometimes when... you just got to revisit oh, that, I right? Think, like... I thought that was such a great season. Yeah. It just sucks that like, you know, we didn't win the cup. Like our only thing is yeah. like, a, like, Goddamn know, flurry in the Vegas yeah. Golden Knights get in the way. We're like, you know, reminiscing on like a, a third round exit or whatever, <laughs> but still it's good. Good run, good but, run. But uh, anyways, our chat with Bonesy, uh, honestly, it probably, the inception dates back to even before our yeah. any of our first guests. That's right. Yeah. I remember connecting with him quite a while ago and always trying to be like, oh, you want to come on the show sometime? And, you know, different schedules, different, yeah. t uh, same time zone actually, but different schedules and different things going on. Yep. Um, but yeah, no, it was it was good to finally connect with Dustin uh, after, you know, uh, many attempts. He's He's got a great um, Instagram, you know, and uh, well, he's got his whole YouTube channel and everything. Um, but he's like, so he's a goalie, um, but he's like, always getting new masks you know and, and like, he's super into the vintage a gear, gear a gear guy yeah, right like yeah. he's a gear guy so yeah like you want old cooper pads 
go see Dustin fucking yeah. Smith, right? Like, yeah, for the class, like, yeah. he's got a bunch of videos where he's wearing classic Cooper pads and yeah. Cooper masks yeah. and blocker catcher and all that stuff. Pretty sick. It's it's sweet. And, uh, but yeah, anyways, like, f for that conversation, I just remember it being, one, like, so much time and effort was put into finally making it happen that it was great to, to make it happen. Mm -hmm. And also, number two, we didn't know a ton about him uh, from the get-go, aside from whatever we saw on social media. So to, it was just nice to like connect with him. And same thing, within a few minutes, it's like you feel like- Your old pals. Your old pals. Yeah, for sure. It was like we knew this guy forever. And I guess that's kind of like the beauty of, in a way, the hockey community or whatever. Like, I don't know, like it's, it's kind of weird, like because I don't really think of it as a community all the time, you know? It's just kind of like, I play hockey or whatever, you know? Like, I like hockey and I think about it in a way that's different than like, sort of, say like you think about the music community or whatever. Like, I don't, I don't think about that here, but I think maybe in other cities or places, maybe especially in the States, like in Nashville, you know, like the hockey community would be a real community. Because whereas in Winnipeg, say, you know, everybody and their dog plays hockey. Yeah, yeah. You know what I mean? Like, so it's kind of like there's all kinds of different types of people. Whereas maybe in a place like Nashville, and I don't know if I'm really putting words in somebody's mouth or whatever, but like maybe it's kind of more tight knit or something. I don't know. But I, it was really awesome talking to Dustin. And that was season three, episode 27, a.k.a. The Hex Doll. And we had a bit of a goalie the theme goalie on that theme, one, yeah. right? And um, yeah, no, it was it was it was rad talking to him. So should we just let's just throw to yeah? Here's here's Dustin clip. Dustin Bonesy Smith riding from the talking hockey riding the Fort Rouge Express. Yeah. <laughs> Have you always been a goalie, or or is that? Uh, or did you did no you no? I I kind of so I, I started skating out. Um, I played defense like growing up in San Diego. I like you know I loved rollerblading, so I started playing roller hockey and. Um, you know, my roller hockey coach, he had two sons, the same age as me and my little brother. And we'd go over to his house all the time and play hockey. And I always wanted to play goalie. Like that was always what I wanted to do. And he was, he was like, Hey, do you want to, do you want to play? We need a goalie this week. And I was like, yeah, sure. And just immediately fell in love with the position. He was like, you know what? I, I think you're a goalie. So, like, my parents <laughs> were like, Oh no. <laughs> yeah. Great. You know, cause I had to get gear all of a sudden, you know, it's, it's obviously not as easy on parents, but uh, yeah, ever since then it's, that's, I just kind of fell in love with goaltending. How did you end up being Nashville's e-bug? Yeah, I kind of fell into it. And I, I think talking to a bunch of emergency goalies, I've heard very similar stories. Um, you know, over the summers, I ended up skating with a lot of pro guys leading into training camp and during the lockout was a huge opportunity for me and, a ton of goalies across the league, you know, guys just working with the whole team basically. And um, after that season, when the, the emergency goalie rule came into play, they gave me a call and asked me, Hey, do you want to be our emergency goalie? We got this new rule. And of course I was like, yeah, duh, <laughs> sign me up for that. So yeah, I, I've been kind of doing that whole thing ever since, but you know, obviously this past year with COVID they had the taxi squad. So um, haven't done any emergency goalie stuff. Uh, this past season, but you know, hopefully uh, things will get back to normal next season and get back into it. 
I got, cool. So I got a bunch of e-bug questions for you because this is pretty rad. So uh, yeah. first and foremost, has there ever been a time where like, did you play or have you ever been close to playing? Or like, suit, suited you know, up so, and are on the bench? or? So the only two guys that have actually played is obviously um, David Ayers and then Scott Foster. I, I think it right, was the, the accountant. year before that. Yeah. So um, I, the closest I got was getting dressed. I, I got dressed for the Boston Bruins, too garastic, a puck to the throat, and I had to go downstairs. And uh, I ended up putting his gear on. I didn't have my <laughs> gear with me yet because the, the rule was still kind of new. And, you know, I just so happened to be at the game. And, um, you know, I was kind of joking with, you know, one of the guys in the office, like, oh, you guys need me. I'm here, by the way. And, and then I got a phone call, first intermission. He's like, hey, that thing we're joking about, we, we need you to come downstairs right now. And I'm like, oh, no way, man. All right, here we go. So, uh, yeah, it's about as close as I've gotten so far. So you were dressed, but cool. like, were you sitting on the bench or are you still back, back in the room or what? No. So like at first it was, you know, complete chaos. Cause like I said, the rule is still pretty new. Nobody really knew what exactly to do. And, and they were like, look, we need you to get half dressed. You don't have to get fully dressed yet, but uh, you have to sit in the locker room. So I ended up, I ended up sitting in the, the hallway cause there was a TV out there and I was sitting there with some security guard, just, you know, <laughs> cracking jokes back and forth and, um, but yeah, hung out of the locker room the entire time, you know, entire team came through during intermission, you know, which was kind of, uh, quite the situation, you know, like yeah. just kind of sitting there and took his gear and you know, all these guys are running around doing their thing, but it was, it was awesome. And so prior to the bubble, like last year, um, so, so were you the, like the nightly e-bug? Like, does that, does that mean like you were on call? Like you didn't go to the games, but like you had, like, if there was a home game, you had to be available like you had a, you had a, yeah, you had so, a pager kind of thing <laughs> just <laughs> send it to my beeper signal across the across <laughs> the cityscape and i appeared magically no um so yeah they they gave me tickets to the games we um we have four guys technically listed as emergency goalies here and i've i've heard other guys in other cities they have up to like seven eight or nine guys listed and they just kind of get calls but um, you know, here it's, it's ran by, uh, the goalie coach, Benny Vanderclock, and he'll send out a text to me and say, Hey, you know, what days are you available this month for all the home games? And I tell him all of them. And, um, <laughs> and then he, he says, okay, you know, one of the other guys wants to go to this game, you know, how do you feel like giving up that game? And, um, so, you know, I end up going to most of them, but yeah, some of them end up going to the other guys, but they give us two, uh, two tickets to the games. We park downstairs while the players park and keep all of our gear with us and, um, you know, just kind of sit in our seats and see what happens. Yeah. Do you, do you hope that, you know, uh, <laughs> it's the goalie's going to get hurt or something's going to happen, you know, a bad like, uh, sushi roll in between no. periods or whatever? <laughs> or, or is it like, do, are you sitting there watching the game like, God, I hope that they don't call me up? Well, you know, like every, every time I pack my bag before a game, like the thought crosses my mind, like, man, like this could be the night that something happens and it's exciting. The last thing I want is anybody to get hurt, especially goalie, like, you know, growing up a huge goalie person, like I'm a huge goalie fan. So yeah, like I said, I don't want to see anybody get hurt. The excitement of playing is, is definitely there, but you know, going to the games, I, I kind of, I don't know, I guess forget about it until like a goalie gets ran into or like there's a situation like, oh, like that could have been it. Or, you know, the, those little reminders of like, you know what, I am here for a purpose. So, yeah. um, you know, it's it's that's the e-bug life, man. Because <laughs> technically you could also go in net for the other team, right? Like you could be facing Nashville. 
Yeah. Yeah. So it's, you know, it's, it's like a house goalie, you know what I mean? So, um, just the same situation as David Ayers. He was, yeah. he was the Toronto emergency guy. He had to jump in for Carolina, you know, now he's crazy another- story there with him building a statue of him in Carolina. I don't know if they actually are, but they should. What's it um, like facing pro shooters? Like, cause you, I've, you've been exposed to that. Like that's gotta be wild. It's, it's definitely different. You know, like you, you can play with whatever skilled guy you, you, you play with. And, you know, there's definitely guys that are really good at playing, but you know, playing with pros, they're all so um, just fundamentally sound. I mean, like when a guy goes to shoot, like just their mechanics are just so dialed in. And then you add that extra level of deception and, you know, accuracy and power. And, you know, every single guy in pro can shoot so hard. So, you know, usually after skating with them over the summers, you know, my hands are usually pretty beat up, from, <laughs> you know, putting my hand in the way. Luckily, it actually hit my glove. But yeah, man, they, they shoot so hard. Who's uh who's the best shooter that you've faced? Uh, I guess like would that would play for Nashville or or whoever. So, I mean, practicing with guys like Shea Weber obviously has the the hardest shot. We so during the lockout, like we were playing rebound game. You know, like guy up top shoots. We we play the rebound out, but he took the first shot and it hit me in the thigh. And you know, like usually it's just routine. Whatever, like hits me, I cover it. Whatever. But, like, I felt the ripple of my leg come around to the back of my leg and clap, like, in the back. I was like, oh, my God. Like, I had never felt that before, that kind of impact from – I mean, it was just a wrist shot. He didn't even, you know, take a clapper or anything like yeah. that. But, yeah, he's, he's definitely got the hardest. And then guys like Philip Forsberg, he's so skilled. that He's just so deceptive, too. He'll, he'll last minute throw a little flick at the end, and it's like, buddy, like, what are you doing? I thought you were shooting glove. It's going blocking. <laughs> like, yeah. What is even happening right now? Oh, yeah. That was uh, Dustin Smith, a.k.a. Bones, a.k.a. the goalie, a.k.a. I just like saying a.k.a. Um, so, you know, we're here at Sucrum's Brewery in Fort Rouge, Winnipeg. We got the Fort Rouge Express blowing by us in the background. We got the uh, the Pilsners are flowing. And just down the road is the home of our next guest, or our next clip, I should say. Pretty much. Sheldon. Oh, yeah, you're right. yeah, oh, yeah, just a minute. I, I could throw a baseball. Yeah, that's right. Actually, yeah, throw, a, yeah. throw a puck right through yeah. his front window. Yeah. Uh, we got uh, Sheldon Bernie. Now, Sheldon is like the, the uh, manager. He's like the uh, Reggie Dunlap, basically, of a local hockey team player manager kind of guy, player coach, if you will, um, of the Lumbercats. They play out of the Dakota League, which is uh, in South Winnipeg. And, you know, our, our beer league team, the Crest of Steel, we've challenged them uh, several times in a, uh, in, a, uh, in a challenge cup format, uh, which they've won two of three, I believe it is. Uh, the 2020 version was obviously put on hold for pandemic reasons. 2021 version coming right Come, up. Coming I hope, right up soon. Right? So, yeah. Yeah. Um, but yeah, those those cats are a pesky group. Uh, but and they're led by their fearless, long-haired leader, Sheldon Bernie. And uh, yeah, like, what can you tell us about Sheldon and and our and our little interview with him? Well, well, number one, Sheldon's a great writer. Uh, make sure you check out uh, not only his work. But also, like his his, his uh, the books he's read uh, are written. Pardon me, um, but yeah, you're right. He, what, 
like Reggie Dunlop, I think, would be the perfect, <laughs> uh, perfect comparison to Sheldon. Um, you know, and you know, we've been around Sheldon not only with with uh, our our uh, competition, Caress yeah. versus Lumbercats, but also seeing him around Riverview and yeah. seeing him around just just drinking beers and and again like the hockey community. Yeah. Um, but all that said, uh, you know, we we've we used the opportunity for doing these interviews on Talking Hockey to talk to guys from all over the states, different parts of Canada. Yeah. But for this one, we uh, you know we were talking to someone right from pretty much right in our backyard. Totally. So it was just also one of those great opportunities to just chat hockey and have a beer with somebody what? and talk because uh, you know we all went through those that long period of time where we couldn't do much. So. Exactly, right? We're all just like, we're not allowed to play hockey because of provincial health regulations and all the rest of it. And you know what? Like, talking to Sheldon on the podcast, he's like, he's like, yeah, I know this guy. But then I learned, like, so much more about him, even, honestly. Like, you know, just chatting about writing and some of his favorite books and, and some of the stories that he had. Like, I didn't, you know, like, when you're when you're talking to a guy, like, at the rink in the dressing room and whatever, like, it's... You're not necessarily getting into this kind of yeah. Uh, it's it's stuff, sur right? surface so, stuff or stuff about the game yeah. or yeah yeah you know stuff so it's really cool right it's really cool to to talk to Sheldon and get kind of get another level uh, in there but like yeah great dude and um, yeah that was episode uh, twenty six six which we called the Nasland after my favorite hockey player as a kid Matt's Nasland I almost said Marcus Nasland. He was a Canuck, and he was not number 26. Like, he was not sure. Yeah. 19. He was 19. Okay. Yeah. Uh, but Matt Snazlin, number 26, the Swedish, I don't know what you, I don't know what his nickname is. He was very small. Like, the with, water, like a water bug. With the Larry yeah. Robinson photo. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> the classic. Pretty, pretty yeah. small guy. Yeah. That, all that said, though, uh, Sheldon was a great guest, and... For sure, Sheldon will be back in season four for us. Yeah. Um, but yeah, here's the clip from Sheldon from uh, Talking Hockey uh, season three, episode Nasland. Nice. Sheldon, just tell us a bit about your hockey beginnings. Yeah. When did, when did yeah. you start playing hockey? At what age did you go up to? Uh, you know, a lot of guys our age, you know, we kind of all quit playing hockey for a while and then got into beer league. Like, take us through for your sure. years of hockey. Yeah, uh, you kind of have hit on it right there. And I, I just listened to your episode with Dave Bedini uh, from a couple weeks back just the other day. And, uh, uh, you know, his story is very similar to mine where I played house league as a kid. Uh, I didn't start till I was about eight years old, though. Uh, I was born in Victoria, B.C. Uh, and our family moved up to Dawson Creek, which is in uh, northern British Columbia when I was seven. Um, had never played hockey, could barely skate at that point. Um, and a little more wintry up in northern BC than yeah, yeah. over I, on I the island. Soccer I as a, a little kid, and you know the only time I can remember seeing hockey on the TV, uh, you know, might have been once or twice some hockey night in Canada. My dad was uh, a hockey player growing up, uh, won a provincial championship with Nipawa, played for Brandon University, played his whole life till he had a new hip, so played till about sixty-five years old. But he never was one to kind of push it, you know. It was, mm. uh, uh, but when I arrived in Dawson Creek, suddenly, uh, you know. It takes a while to make some new friends. And then all of a sudden, uh, hockey season starts. And every weekend, uh, I can't play with these guys because they're playing hockey. And 
uh, over the course of the winter and school year, learning about hockey, getting into hockey cards and watching, I think the Pittsburgh Penguins win the Stanley cup that year, all of a sudden kind of got me wanting to play. I think my dad would probably have been uh, very reluctant to, uh, <laughs> to sign me up at first because he saw how poorly I took to soccer and uh, sports generally. Um, <laughs> But was you know whatever you want to try it. Let's go to the the swap and shop in the end of summer and get you some used gear and get you some skating lessons at the end of August and see how you do. And uh, it was uh, ever since then. I, I probably played till grade eleven or so, um, and then quit for you know I think the reasons that uh, Dave mentioned and might be might be pretty similar to some folks who listen to the podcast. Uh, you know, got into uh, punk rock and smoking weed instead of uh, jock jams and. <laughs> fucking pilsner beer or whatever it was uh yeah. with the dudes i grew up with um yeah yeah and it was uh the late 90s at that point so rock'em sock'em eric lindros you know big yeah. tough guys who can you know pummel pummel yeah. people where it was the the name of the game and anyone else was a you know a sissy or a pussy or something like that uh yeah. took a few you know big hits uh in the last couple years i played where I'm like, you know, I'm 150 pounds wet now. And I was as tall as I am now in grade 10 and probably 120 pounds playing against guys from mining towns like Tumblr Ridge or uh, small towns in Alberta, like Sexsmith or Hythe or Beaver Lodge, who are farm boys, big, tough oil and gas farm boys <laughs> and just getting destroyed regularly. And, you know, it was, it turned out that it's like, well, I still like playing hockey, but this is, this is kind of, this is a bit much for me when I can, go get high with my buddies and yeah. goof around instead on the weekend yeah. listen to punk rock records or listen to punk rock. Yeah. yeah so it wasn't until yeah. i moved to winnipeg that i kind of got back into it uh when i moved to winnipeg would have been 2006 the next year i moved downtown so i was near the assiniboine river and you know quickly realized i could skate everywhere so bought a pair of skates i think i'd sold a lot of my hockey gear uh as a teenager as in my early 20s to buy booze or drugs or whatever it was at that point or, or just pay bills uh, i'm not sure uh and then quickly got back into just skating all the time and how much fun it was just to move on the ice and you know picked up a stick from canadian tire a 50 30 or something like that and nice. uh probably a year after that my dad got his hip replaced and so gave me all his old hockey equipment because he couldn't use it anymore and then about a year or so after that the chance to uh to join up with these guys on the Lumbercats came about. You got, you have gear, right, Sheldon? You used to play hockey. Well, kind of, well, sure. Let's, <laughs> let's, uh, let's give it a go. And, and yeah. <laughs> uh, just obviously loved it. So here we are. That's right awesome. On. So you, you mentioned hockey cards. Um, were they a big part of your sort of getting into hockey big and bit, bit of a loaded question here too. Do you still have hockey cards? And I heard a bit of a story about, uh, the most recent apocalypse was, which wasn't this year, obviously with COVID, but the previous yeah. year. And I heard a bit of a story because you were on the uh, cup-winning team at Apocalypse. That's, that's and correct. there, there might. Do you want to tell us uh, maybe how you rallied the troops with with hockey cards? I could, uh, yeah. Uh, I never got rid of my hockey cards. I just like they were in a box yeah. in my parents' basement. Uh, and I mean, I had all the, you know, 90, early nineties, upper deck and pro gold, uh, score, uh, all the, all that, you know, boom time stuff. Yeah. But I also benefited from my mom had inherited, uh, a bunch of like classic sports memorabilia stuff from her, her 
first husband who had died, like when she, she was married in her twenties to a guy who collected stuff like that. And then he died. And so she had all this stuff in a box kicking around. And when, uh, when I started getting into it and, you know, didn't just drop it a, a year later when I kind of, you know, spent some time pursuing it and getting into the Beckett guides and all that kind of <laughs> jazz. Uh, she's, you know, unloaded some of that stuff on me. So I have all these, you know, great, uh, not necessarily great condition, but great from, uh, you know, this is cool stuff, uh, yeah. uh perspective, you know, 1960s Parkhurst and, and wow. tops and stuff nice. like that. Gordy house. And so things that to me are, are very cool. So I, you know, never got rid of that stuff. Uh, and at the same time, I think my parents dumped my dad's hockey gear. They also dumped a box or two of just my crap that was still left in their basement up in Dawson Creek, I guess, when they were moving, <laughs> uh, south when they retired. And so all of a sudden I had, you know, thousands of these 90 <laughs> hockey cards that are worth nothing, but yeah. are fun Super to uh, cool. have, right? <laughs> yeah. Uh, so for well, once I had all that stuff, you know, I think it must've been one of the first years with the lumber cats when the, you know, there's only seven or eight of us showing up in a way to kind of pump everyone up and, to you know, put some spirit into, into the game was to show up with a pocket full of hockey cards and hand them out before the game and try to draw some inspiration from, okay, you know, Andrew, I'm going to need you to act like Brett Hall today. We need a couple <laughs> goals or like Crency, you know, Adam Oates this day or, you know, whatever, like just to kind of, you know, give us a little bit of spirit to the boys and a little pep. Uh, and it just never stopped because I have so many of these friggin' cards, uh, which kind of spiraled as, you know, all these guys I play with, uh, their parents were doing the same. So they don't really want this binder or two full of cards. They just give it to me to then recycle to the other yeah. guys or whatnot. Uh, so it's just become a thing that I like to do. It allows me something uh, to do to dig through these old cards rather than just have them gathering mold or, or whatnot in the basement. Uh, and so last two years ago when the, the uh, Apocalypse Now tourney came about, it was the first year I'd got a chance to take part in it because generally uh, our Riverview 4-on-4, which is our neighborhood outdoor tourney, uh, takes place either the same weekend or a weekend before. And I believe it. Just, yeah. Just weekend before. Yeah. Just off in, in years prior, hadn't really been able to sell the case of playing uh, two outdoor <laughs> tournaments in a row and all the drinking that would go along with that and, and whatnot. But the, the last year, uh, 2019, just made a commitment to do both. And as a result, had to bring the cards. Happened to also be National Hockey Card Day that day, if I'm not mistaken, which I took as a, a sign from a above sign, that yeah. I Bit of an might not know anyone on the team, but I'm going to show up with these beauty cards and hand them out and uh it sparked something and it worked and we won so it's probably yeah. the hockey cards that did it right I, so, I you gotta think so oh yeah that was sheldon bernie that was our little clip with him from our episode that we had uh which was episode 26 of season three aka the nasland we're gonna we're gonna rewind a little bit in the old season uh archive to go to episode 24 when we talk to Canadian legend Dave Bedini. Now, and legend is like an understatement. Yeah, honestly. it is. Yeah. And I, off the top of the show, I accidentally said the Constantines. I meant the Rio Statics. I feel like a freaking idiot, but like, I don't think he would necessarily take that as a uh, diss because like the Constantines are pretty rad. And I know that the Rio Statics and the Constantines have played some shows together. Um, but like Dave Bedini and the Rio Statics are almost as ingrained in Canadian popular culture from the 90s, late 80s onwards 
as you can be. Like, like uh, you know, I, I, I fail to think of almost anyone or any band or anything that's kind of like more Canadian than those guys. You'd be hard pressed to try and think of somebody. Uh, First of all, they have an album called Melville, correct? Mm -hmm. Home of the Millionaires. Yeah, and home of my family, actually, yeah. Melville, Melville, Saskatchewan. Um, and uh, Bedini, you know, I remember two things from this thing, from our interview with Dave. Number one, he was so burnt on doing Zoom calls, which yeah. is understandable. Yeah, yeah. So he did. He's just he, like, let me just call in. He, wa he wanted to call in. so. I had to figure out how to do that, which actually wasn't a big deal. Yeah. But you just phone this certain number and then they call into the Zoom, which yeah. was very cool. We couldn't see him, but what It worked out really good though, yeah. But it felt really cool. Like, it, but well, the one thing that I remember saying to you is that after we finished that interview with Dave, was like I could vividly picture everything he talked yeah. about because he's such a like a very descriptive well the way he describes the everything. way he talks is like how you would write it's very yeah it's very descriptive very like just like you know he's painting a picture or whatever and you can kind of just as he talks you're seeing what he's talking about or you're you know is the same as if you were reading his writing or something you know you're 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 picturing it right there it's vivid and any and, experience that he talks about like if he's entering a rink or he's like with his friend yeah you feel like you're there right right yeah. right there with them i loved how he had all the details too <laughs> like eh, just right? like, like to the to like it the was september of 86 yeah, or whatever yeah. you know like so all that said actually so after we did the interview with dave i saw that dave was like selling some of his books on on his twitter account yeah so then uh, I bought his book, Keon and Me. Nice, and, which we, we did talk about on the show. And also but, yeah. he has a book called Tropic of Hockey, yeah. which I bought as well. But one of, the, one of the very first lines in his book, Keon and Me, is uh, he writes, uh, the boy loved winter, but he loved hockey more. <laughs> and it, like that, that, like, that like, resonates. That's like a fucking... You know, perfect po line yeah. from a David Dini book. Poetry. Yeah. He's got away with words, that guy, for sure. And so why don't we just uh, take a listen to this little clip from our interview with Dave Bedini, season three, episode 24, a.k.a. The Glennie, named after um, Toronto Maple Leafs, I don't know, legend. Uh, Everyone's a legend on this show. <laughs> <laughs> uh, Brian Glennie. Yeah, here we go. So, Dave, I've got a couple film questions for you. Uh, number one, uh, actually, is is from Hockey Nomad, the 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 film that followed mm. your book. Um, yeah, are you the first and only person ever to carry your hockey gear through a desert? <laughs> well, I think some of those Arab dudes probably did. Yeah, but, those are uh, those are phenomenal uh, shots. Thanks, thanks. Yeah, I have. I sort of have the distinction of, um, you know. Uh, playing on an all Arab team in the, in the desert. And I also got, got to, so I was the only Canadian on that, that Arab team at that tournament. And then I was the only Canadian uh, who played with the Russian old timers in Russia. So it's been nice to kind of just be this sort of interloper um, in these other hockey cultures, you know, and, um, but that was great. You know, Mike Downey was the director of uh, Gord's brother, was it, I hates when I call him Gord's brother, but he is. <laughs> um, but Mike and Nick DePontier, the cinematographer, um, were uh, we were out in the desert getting shots, 
and uh, Wadi, who was our driver, um, for some reason, like he just like the, 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 the sand started to come up. It started to get quite windy. And um, the, 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 so the, the desert moves around, right? It's an active thing. And it all of a sudden, like we couldn't get out of the desert um, because the, the truck was stuck. So um, thankfully I had my hockey bag and a couple of hockey sticks. So if you were three Canadian guys and a couple of Arab dudes, like digging the rear tires um, <laughs> yeah. of the truck out of the sand with our hockey sticks. Right. <laughs> so it was just a fucking beautiful, like collision of yeah. cultures. Right. And we finally ended up getting the truck moving, but I remember being out on that desert um, and, you know, hearing the call to prayer, like come across the desert and, um, it was, uh, it was, it's been amazing. Like the places that hockey has brought me to, you know, um, and, you know, in Hong Kong, I remember scoring the, the winning goal for the, the, this team that I played for over there and, um, looking up, uh, it was, the, the rink was kind of in the middle of a food court, um, uh, <laughs> yeah. with, um, with like about like, a two levels of uh, a two level food court. And there was a rink in the middle of it. It was so bizarre. And, um, but I remember scoring the goal and um, they played spirit of radio by rush. Yeah. And I remember looking up to the, the, the top level and uh, Gordy and Colleen Howe were there. Um, oh no. Looking, watching the game. Cause they'd been brought over to China to be part of this tournament. So, yeah, I mean, listen, you know, when I, when I think about, you know, uh, the, uh, you know, uh, the game, um, you know, giving, giving so much to me, like these are like real tangible experiences that I wouldn't yeah. have had in any other circumstance had I not fallen in love with that game again, you know? So it's been a great, it's a, been a great way for me to discover the world for sure. Okay. That was, uh, Dave Bedini of the Rio statics of, uh, you know, book writing fame. <laughs> Sound like Ricky from Trailer Park Boys. Actually, technically, I think, I think uh, Mr. Bedini is the only guy that's been put up for award for literary, music, and broadca broadcast yeah. in, in Canada. That's pretty uh, awesome. So, like, whether it's the Junos, yeah. uh, what they're called, they were called the Geminis before, but they're called the Canadian Screen Awards now. Yeah. Uh, and then a literary word for all his books. Yeah. I think he's the only triple threat in Canada, and he plays goal. So that's uh, amazing. He yeah. always stacks the pads and uh, and you know like, yeah. chirps you like. Well, I love I loved hearing about how intense he is in goal. Yeah. Right? Like he's just. Well, you, as a goalie, yeah. you know you need you need to find the edge. Oh. Actually, a perfect reference to uh, the Canadian women's soccer team winning <laughs> winning the gold medal today. That's right. She, you know, their keeper, Steph, Steph, uh, Le Stephanie LeBay, yeah. she got in, she got in their kitchen. Yeah. You know, that's what you need and that's to do. what a goal has got to do. Yeah. That's right. Yeah. Beautiful. Love it. Um, so up next. Yeah. Up next, let's talk. Let's, let's hit the clip from uh, a, a, a local legend, uh, Jason Goulet. So Jason is a Winnipeg guy. He played pro hockey. He, he made it to the AHL. He never got the sniff to the NHL, but he, well, I mean, he sniffed the NHL from the AHL, but he never got the call, but he was ready. He but was he, there. He was, he played for the Bridgeport uh, Sound, Sound Tigers. Tigers, which is the Islanders farm team. Um, he played ECHL, I think, uh, and some other leagues there. And, w you know, he kind of, 
all yeah, all over North America, from from way up northern BC or wherever he was, Prince, Prince George, George yeah. there, all the way down to Texas and Oklahoma. You know, hockey took him everywhere in North America, and he's got the stories to to prove it. And so we're gonna hit a clip with Jason here. Uh, in the meantime, though, Jason, what he's doing these days? Well, he's just running this hockey company called No Name Hockey Company, and they make hockey sticks and you know some other paraphernalia but they make like pro quality like pro stock quality sticks at a bit of a af more affordable price so instead of five hundred dollars you're spending 200 or whatever but you get you get the stick the pros are using basically and fully customizable too and i know co-host randy here i know he's got one and i've used it we're both right hand shots uh, I got a couple inches on Randy height-wise, so the stick was a little short to my liking, but I felt like I could stick handle in a, in a phone booth Patrick Kane style here. So <laughs> I was like uh, using that, and it was, what a stick though, eh? Like, pretty Oh, yeah. I, you know, what, number one, Jason's got had some great stories. Number two, how do you start a hockey stick company? I have no idea, but he's done it. Yeah. Um, and also, he's actually added a bunch of blade patterns to uh to his stock and he's got one of his new blade patterns is the nasty nate mckinnon and it's like nice. i gotta try that one it's like it's very similar to the curve that i like yeah. I, I like the p28 this one's the p71 i want to try the p71 it's like perfect for toe dragon and yeah for well snob sniping top cheese i'll tell you what i had a ccm twig about a year or two ago that was the mckinnon curve and i liked it a lot Took me a little bit to get used to it because my previous curve was that much Less, different, you yeah, know? Yeah. But once I started playing with that McKinnon curve, I really liked it. And uh, yeah, I just, um, I would go for it again. So yeah. So uh, yeah, like Tommy mentioned, No Name Hockey is a Winnipeg-based hockey company. Yeah. For those of you that don't know, um, if you're ever driving down to go to Pro Hockey Life to buy a hockey stick, just keep driving because No Name Hockey, they've got a store. Uh, You're on, on St. James? On Sargent at the corner, like basically Sargent and St. James, very close to where Visions and Superstore is. Um, uh, you're gonna want to probably approach from the south on St. James and make a, <laughs> make a left onto Sargent. Now, now what bus would I take yeah, to get out? That I don't know, but anyways, uh, he's got a great store set up. He's always behind the desk, behind the counter. Yeah. You can even try your stick. He's got a whole shooting setup that you can take a few sticks for a rep. He'll talk to you. He'll tell you when, some stories. And when you go in, tell him the boys from Talking Hockey sent you. Yeah. It won't get you a discount. No. But it'll get you. It'll get me smirk. Yeah, yeah, it'll get you a high five or yeah. something. But all, all that said, um, this clip coming up, uh, we won't reference it because you have to, you know, hear it for yourself. <laughs> but he told us this great story about eating this giant steak in Texas. <laughs> and he was challenged uh, by his coach. But isn't this about the Bufflin? The, the clip in the oh, show. Oh, okay, but we want to, yeah, 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 right, right. Yeah yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. There was a good steak story about yeah. Texas-sized steak. That's so right, he, Because, you know, Jason is a... He's, you know, like a, a bigger dude. And, you well, know, and he, he scrapped a little bit he, he his pro day, right? Like, you know, and he needs his steak to, to you know, <laughs> feel the tank. So. This story was hilarious. Yeah. They're so, both so good. But anyways, um, Jason was a great guest. Same thing. 
Uh, we hunted around, you know, all of Canada and USA for some hockey guests, but this one was again in our own backyard. And yeah, uh, yeah here's our clip from from uh, episode 19, the yeah, Iserman. The Iserman. Season three, episode Iserman. So yeah, I see uh, Prince George Cougars jersey there uh, yeah. on the on the other end of the road. The and uh, and then yeah, you mentioned Saskatoon Blades. So uh, you know, look looking at the rosters actually that you played with on, on those teams. Uh, one I saw Mike Green was on the Blades at the same time as you, and then I also saw yeah. that uh, Dustin Bufflin was on the Prince George Cougars at the same time as you. Yeah, in uh, Saskatoon, uh, Mike Green was like fifteen, and I was seventeen, and he was like running our power play when he was like fifteen. <laughs> it was like he was. Unreal, like such good hands and a yeah. uh, really good player, obviously. Like, yeah, yeah, yeah. I have a real nice career. And then, uh, and then Buff, like, he, I had uh, left Saskatoon and I was actually on a trial with uh, Prince George and I wasn't sure if I was going to make the team. I drove all the way there, like, from Winnipeg on a tryout. That's a long way. And it was by myself, too. I was like, I better make it because I don't want to drive back. <laughs> <laughs> so, so i ended up making it and then uh buff came like he was in brandon he became like i want to say the first month of the season he was he came and uh i'll never forget this he his equipment was in a garbage bag like he yeah. took he took the greyhound bus from brandon to prince george he didn't have a car or anything like it was crazy <laughs> He showed up to Prince George with his all of his gear in a garbage bag. Like and that guy is like a freak of nature. Like yeah. he he was like two years younger than me and like and I'm like nineteen and he's like seventeen and he's stronger than me. And I'm like not a slouch. Like he's just like naturally gifted strength wise. Like yeah. it's crazy. So when when you met him and he's seventeen years old and he comes up uh, to Prince George with his gear in a hockey bag. Like, yeah, we were like, what's the what's the team think of this guy? We were, we were like, he had his hat back, like his hat like crooked like that, and he was like, just a character. We're like, who is this guy? Like, what? <laughs> Not your typical hockey player, but like once you got him on ice, like you kind of the first year you kind of saw like flashes of it. And then when I was like 20, I played a little bit and uh, he was just like, he was like ready to get drafted. Like he was like, uh, I guess he was like 16 or something or 17. And he was like dangling guys in the dub. Like he was just like crazy. So you, like, you know, you, there's a clear difference. Like Tommy and I were beer leaguers, right? Like we're beer leaguers through yeah. and through, but there's a, a clear difference. Like there's times where we've had a chance to play with someone who's played pro or currently yeah. playing pro and you can clearly see the skill level and like how efficient they are and how just consistent they are. So like, say someone for, like you who ended up playing pro, what was it like for you to see you know, someone like Mike Green, who eventually turned into like a, you know, a high-end player in the NHL, like seeing them back then, could you see like glimpses of um, this guy's like an on another level? Not like you could tell that he was good, but we never, we were all young and stuff. So we didn't really know like what it took to get to that level. You know, like we never, we've seen on TV, but you actually skate with an NHL player. It's a different story. Like um, I noticed that like, 
later on in pro if I was playing like East Coast or something, if I was skating with an NHL guy, like they're just that much faster, that more quicker. And even when like I jumped from like East Coast to AHL, it was like a big difference speed wise. So talk about that. Like, how did you make the jump? Like, was it like Bridgeport at the time? Were they like the Islanders? Um, yeah, they club? were the Islanders. Well, I was in uh, Oklahoma City and I had a couple good years there. And uh, I was skating in the off season in Winnipeg. And I was skating with a couple guys, uh, Sean Chornley. He used to run like hockey schools and stuff. And uh, Brian Trotche was there. And he was with like, islanders and uh after one day after one day of skate he's like uh bring me your resume we'll see what we can do for you so the next day i brought my resume and then like probably a couple weeks later i'd uh they got interested and uh, i signed a, a two-way with bridgeport and islanders like east coast ahl deal so yeah he was huge like uh i'm grateful for it yeah it was awesome and so to talk about like what like what was that uh you know experience like in the AHL like you know you're one step away from the NHL but obviously yeah. the level the level of play was probably a lot different from what you were used to. Oh yeah. Yeah, it was a big difference. Like I can you didn't really notice in practice. It was like you can kind of keep up to them and stuff. But like the games, like gameplay and stuff, it was just like everything was happening so fast. It just I don't know. I wasn't there long enough to kind of get used to it, but I imagine, you know, eventually you get used to it. And that was our little chit chat with uh, Winnipeg hockey legend, Jason Goulet, owner of No Name Hockey Company and uh, former pro hockey enforcer. I think you could use that word enforcer. Um, Jason, well, he chucked some knuckles back in his day, didn't he? He had a few pims. I think one or two. <laughs> one or two. Well, from going from uh, from from a guy who had a few pims to a fella who, um, well, I, I I guess you would describe him as a bit of a legend on the Canadian broadcasting scene um, and on the hockey card collectors scene as well. Um, it's Sportsnet own Ken Reed. So Ken is a Nova Scotia boy who moved to the Big Smoke, to Hogtown, and he, you know, he hit the, uh, he hit the screens at a young age, working his way up to becoming the, the host or co-host with Ivanka Osmak of the primetime Sports Central sort of show. So he's delivering all the sporting news to Canada during the prime time. And uh, I love how he brings humor to his job. You know, he he's always, and he loves to name drop Nova Scotia at any chance he can. Oh yeah, like and, right off the bat, his first answer in our in our episode was like, he had to name, name like yeah. the first five or six <laughs> Nova Scotian hockey players that yeah. he, he could think of. Yeah, yeah. that's right. And, and you know, he's, he, he, he loves good hockey cliche. He loves getting pucks deep, right? That's one of his favorite things. Um, he, he, you know, Josh Anderson is his hockey crush. You know, he oh, yeah. loves that guy. Um, yeah, Ken's a, Ken's a really good uh, hockey mind. You know, he started selling uh, hockey cards 
and hockey gear. Remember, he was talking about selling a Heaton mask, I think it was, for like, you know, $1,700 or yeah. whatever back in the 90s. He was a, he was a full-on business guy. Yeah, wheeling, dealing, yeah. uh, all of that stuff. Um, coming out of Pictou County. We got the Fort Rouge Express coming through again. Um, but, so yeah, chatting with Ken was, it was kind of like, he was our first, uh, like, big guest, if yeah. you will. I, actually, before we go too far, yeah. talk, uh, how did we get a nationally broadcasted TV host right? on Talking Hockey? Right, like, you, here's this little... How did that happen? Did you slide into his DMs? Yeah, well, here's this little podcast in Fort Rouge, uh, Winnipeg, Manitoba, Canada, and uh, we're talking to this big-time hotshot guy from Toronto, Ontario, Canada. And all it took, Randy, was, uh, yeah, a little DM slide. And honestly, like, it was, it was like, you know, he had posted something on Instagram, and it was like, man, this guy, you know, he's right up our alley. And, and then you were like, well, just slide into his DMs. And, like, and I slide into his DMs? Well, I never. <laughs> and, uh, and then I did. And then Ken was like, let's get her going, boys. Yeah. There. Uh, so it was great. And, you know, it really sort of kicked off a bit of a, a, bit of a, a trend on talking hockey of going after some big fish. And, and it was awesome. And, and Ken was great. And, like, you know, he's a guy who, you know, he's written a couple books about hockey cards and all the history behind certain, you know, uh, uh, what am I trying to say? Photoshop, not Photoshop, but airbrush. Oh, Airbr yeah. You know, like... But all but the like, aspects of hockey cards. All, the, all yeah, of that, yeah, right? Yeah. Like, and, you know, he's he's on the air every night, and you can tune in, but, like, he had he had all the time in the world for us, and it was great. And uh, so why don't we just listen in on what uh, this clip with Ken was going on here, and... Uh, yeah, we'll see you on the other side. The second guy that I came across that I thought was super interesting in book number two, and I'm not sure if I'm pronouncing his name correctly, but it's is it Todd Hartchie? Uh Yeah, Todd Hartchie, yeah. Yeah, From, so he, uh, he, yeah, was, the, was, cool he was the first North American trained player to play in the Soviet League. Mm -hmm. And what I thought huh. was really cool about it was, I remember actually having that card and in your book, how it says uh, the, the photo was taken in Moncton, but it, the, the stands actually looked very similar to what the Winnipeg Arena used to look like with all yeah. the yellow walls and stuff like that. Um, but what I thought was super interesting about that was um, uh, Mike Smith, the GM at the time for the Winnipeg Jets, convinced Todd to go over and play in the Soviet League. And he had this really crazy connection to, to I guess, Russian language. And around yeah. that time, uh, I just remember, like, I was thinking, like, because I, I would have been, like, 11 or 12 at that time, and um, the Jets were just full of Russians at that time. Sergei Bouton, Igor Ulanov, uh, Alexei Zamnov, Habi Bulin, uh, Davidov. It's like, I, I was always wondering why there were so many Russians, and obviously that had something to do with it. It was Mike Smith's connection to the country. So it was yeah. very cool to learn that from, from, uh, from that. And actually, again, I did a deep dive on Todd. And there's a clip of him on David Letterman uh, talking about his experience over there. So that was very cool. Like, and how, so like, how did you find that story? Well, uh, yeah. So, so Todd's card always stood out to me because I love the photo, right? It's uh, this taken from this downward angle and it was just a really cool photo. And yeah, I always thought it was uh, Winnipeg as well. So basically to, to call up a guy like Todd, I mean, I, I love the photo on the card and I, 
you know, I, I looked at the back and I, I did a little search on Todd and I found out about the Russian connection. I thought that's pretty cool. So I'll start with, uh, with the card and go for there. So, I mean, I'm, I'm a reporter at heart. So I tracked down his number, gave him a call and just asked if he had 20 minutes to talk about the card. And yeah, sure. No problem. So we just start talking about the card and then, you know, that he told me where the photo was taken, how it was taken. That leads to his hockey journey. And I mean, he's, he's an awesome story. Harvard, Harvard guy ends up in Russia. Um, he actually wrote a book on his whole experience in Russia as well. So, I mean, yeah, for me, I just start with the picture of the card that I, I find interesting. And then I, I call the guys up. We, we always start with the card and, the beautiful thing is, you know, a pitcher can take you anywhere. So <laughs> yeah. they ask, they answer a question and that might spark another question in my head and, and away we go. So that's, that's how I came across Todd's story. It was no, no big deep research or anything. I just liked the card and wanted to know about the pitcher on the card. And that's, that's where that story began. Yeah. So, so Ken, with your books and then the videos that you've done for Sportsnet on YouTube and stuff like that, um, you kind of break things down into categories, you know, airbrush jobs, which was probably one of my favorites. Like, God, I love those old Opeachy, Opeachy uh, oh, yeah. airbrush beautiful jobs. Oh, yeah, like, Top quality art, yeah. Yeah, beautiful. and, and my, my personal favorite, like, uh, category of card is the no-helmet warm-up. Oh, yeah. um, big yeah. fan of those ones. Absolutely. And yeah. uh, so, so I guess um, sort of a two-part question again, but, like, do you have a favorite uh, sort of – you know, uh, category of, of cards that you've yeah. explored. And uh, is there, are there any categories that you haven't yet explored that you'd maybe kind of have been thinking about or would like to get into? It's funny because when I, when I did the first book, they wanted a chap, they wanted it in chapters and I kind of didn't really want to. And that's, I kind of had to come up with the chapter name. So I'm like, okay, rookies airbrush, you know, pretty yeah. obvious. So, I mean, I like the cards that talk about guy's style. It, you know, it was in style at the time. I think it was the style of time is one of the chapters in one of the books, which is yeah. kind of like what I'm wearing now, right? It's a little funky. <laughs> I got the turtleneck going. I don't care. I love the 70s. So when this turtleneck look came back, I don't know, three You're years ago. You're all over it. You, when you Elliot saw Elliot yeah. wearing the turtleneck yeah. on Hockey Night in Canada right. recently. <laughs> right. I'm all over it, right? So, um, I, so my our stylist, Deb Berman, I ran into her the other day. I said, more turtlenecks. <laughs> so I, I like that. I like when you look at a card, you you know exactly what era it's from. Like Joe Daly with a permanent, right? Joe's got perm yeah. on his card. Joe was actually the first guy I called for my first book because I, I knew I'd been in his card store before and I knew that he would know about the card. And then, you know, that got me off on the right foot. And I, and I found out that everybody knew about, about their cards. So like a, a family friend, Kevin Morrison, great WHA card. Kevin was one of the best defensemen in the WHA. Uh, he's got a big perm on his card. And, and if you know Kevin, he doesn't have curly hair. So it's a great launching point. So uh, Kelly Rudy is one of the most stylish guys going on his 86, 87 OPG. He's got a headband. He's got a perm. So, I mean, yeah. to me, those are launching points. So if, if, if a card stands out and there's something to, to jump off of, like an airbrush or a, a mustache or a weird yeah. haircut or a guy getting punched in the head, that, that's a start. So... <laughs> So that, I mean, I like, I like the, the cards that you don't have to dig too far to go, okay, where am I going to start this conversation? Like if you look it at just a card jumps and you go, at you. right. So it's like all of us, we look at a card and we're, we go, what is up with the airbrush on this Mike Krupalniski? <laughs> like that, that is some quality paper crayon work. So you call Mike and he great storyteller and 
he fills you in on, on not only the coloring job, but his version of the story of being traded with Gretzky to LA. So yeah, cards, cards with easy launching points, I think are the, the ones that are going to make my book. And, and it's true because those were the ones that stood out to me all through yeah. the years. So yeah. it, it wasn't hard to come up with the cards to, to look into. It, it was great to see the Cooper alls get some love. And yeah. Also, yes. also exactly. the uh, Cooper or uh, the XL seven. Helmet. Oh, the XL yeah. so the helmet of the future. Yeah. So when you see an XL seven, <laughs> you see a Cooper all, it takes a guy like my vintage back to a certain place. And, you know, I, like as a kid who loved the XL seven, not a lot of guys wore one. And I'm, I said to Mark Napier, why'd you wear one? He goes, cause I had a giant head. It was the only thing that fit my head. So, <laughs> It's, you know, it's funny just, for that's easy. What's funny for me is like I always remember seeing the XL7 with the cage. So sure. seeing that that picture, because um, you know kids I grew up with had the XL7 and we all had cages back then. So yeah. actually seeing it without the cage I, that was new to me. So pretty cool yeah. to see. Dave McElwain sent me a picture the other night. It's him in an XL7 with the visor on. So that's like that's even more rare. The XL7 new look. <laughs> yeah. So that was that was awesome. So I wish he had a card from Junior when, with his XL7 visor. Okay, that was our little chit chat with Ken Reed, Sportsnet anchor, and uh, actually, not sure if you could tell, but we could. He actually did that from the Sportsnet. He set. sure did, yeah. And while we were interviewing him, Ivanka walked by. <laughs> I was like, "Hey, what are you doing?" Yeah. <laughs> and that's not Ivanka's voice, but yeah. yeah, we we didn't get to see her, but yeah. she was there. So, like you know, we're 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 brushing shoulders here yeah. with, with the yeah. legends. Here. I know Ivanka. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> But no, that that was uh, so. You can find our epi- our full episode with Ken Reed would be season three, episode seventeen, aka the Ridley, as in Mike Ridley, who from Winnipeg is from Winnipeg, and and they named they name an award after yeah, they, an yeah. MJHL war award for highest score because yeah. he absolutely lit it up like two hundred like, points or something. Oh yeah, yeah. like a th- you know he had three points per game kind yeah. of average or whatever it was. And he does that. Yeah. <laughs> so, um, yeah, check out the archives for episode Ridley with Ken Reed. It was a beauty. We talked to all kinds of great stuff with hockey cards and, you know, you name it. But um, I guess, uh, you know, to wrap up Clips show here, we're, we're kind of... Um, we're, we're, we've, we've gone through the clips. You know, we had... Clips Show Part 2, we had some great guests. Um, Clips Show Part 1, which you can find in the in the archives. We had kind of all the punk rockers that we talked to this year. And so Part 2 was, um, you know, uh, I don't know how you classify all the guys well, here. Like, Well, we had some broadcasts. We had, yeah. some, we had some Winnipeggers. We had some writers, you know. Kind of went had, all over the map yeah, yeah. a little bit, yeah. And you know, there were probably some guests we didn't even include in our clips of part one or two, but- Honestly, I think the only guy was Danny Heath is the 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 only guy that we missed, yeah. 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 Well, our apologies to Danny Heath. Well, maybe he'll get his own clip (laughs) shot. There you go. Uh, But yeah, no, it was great, you know, having all these people on the show this year, talking some hockey, like, it's great to get all the different perspectives on hockey that, you know, like in a pandemic year, um, where we were sitting on the sidelines, and then we talked to some of these guys in the U.S. who were playing the whole time, you know, because yeah, USA, right? Life, and, life goes yeah. on. <laughs> so it was kind of cool that way, but like, it's definitely, um, you know, even just like interesting whether or not hockey was happening. Um, just their take on 
what hockey's means to them and and how they kind of interact with it as a game because it's different than than how you or I maybe do um, and you know it was just I, I enjoyed the whole process and I really hope that for season four we can we can bring some more great interviews to the table with some more great guests and you know we've got some kind of lined up tentatively and um, hoping to do a couple in-person ones this summer as uh, things allow but um, again you know like this is uh, a side gig a bit a little bit for us so it's kind of like as it as it goes you know but, but like it's you're right though i i think now the stage has been kind of set where we can have guests or we can run our skits yeah you know we've got our skits that we haven't really done very much lately yeah you, if you know, think back to the first two seasons where we we're doing the book club and we were doing like hockey card war and five card draw and we still need to do a whole recap episode of um of the uh movie there that the name i'm blanking on young all blood. of a sudden young blood yeah. there it is actually you know what uh we should we we got it you know let's not talk about <laughs> it right now on the air but i've got like big plans for a young blood episode okay yeah Perfect. An outdoor screening of a young. Oh, player. I like it. Yeah. 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 Okay. So all that said, yeah, we we uh, season three uh, probably our best season yet, but yeah. that means season four. You know, we we got we got a bar to to reach and That's right. a bar to kind of raise too. And a bar to go to because hopefully, uh, <laughs> exactly. you know, uh, uh, pandemic will allow such interactions as we're having at this moment where we're sitting side by side uh you know have stay keeping hydrated getting carb loaded um you know and and the hockey season's fast approaching as we are here in uh early august it's going to be about a month or two and all of a sudden hockey will hockey. be right on our mind yeah. and, and it'll be first and foremost as to what we want to be doing and you know the NHL season will be kicking off before we even know it. Two um, months, two months from today. Yeah, like it's it's um, it's coming fast and furious, and um, you know, like we were saying off the top of the show, if you're a Winnipeg Jets fan like we are, uh, things are looking looking pretty uh, good, promising. We're yeah. looking forward to seeing what's going to happen. So, no matter what team you cheer for, um, all the best for the season of 21-22. And uh, if you're out there on the ice, I'd like you to keep your stick on the ice. I'd like you to keep your chin up, unlike Jake Evans. Uh, yeah, <laughs> sorry, Jake. Next time, don't come around the net with your head down. <laughs> uh, all Montreal fans have just unsubscribed from the show. Um, yeah, no, but uh, for sure, like, let's, uh, let's get out there, give 110% uh, quick shifts. Ship the puck in, get off for a change, you know, ride the Fort Rouge Express downtown or down to St. Norbert, whichever way you're going. Which way, every way it goes. Right now it's going downtown, so yeah. hey, if we want to go to, uh, do you want to, you want to Oh, maybe... well, we should go hop it and head to the Lake of the Woods Brewery Yeah, or, or, and then from there we can go to uh, Nonsuch. Hey, yeah, that, yeah. Okay. <laughs> we'll go hit up Brewery Tour on the Fort Rouge Express, but... Uh, yeah, no, uh, we really appreciate everybody tuning in for the whole season, for this episode, for all the episodes. Um, it's been a pleasure to do these. It's a lot of fun. I love, I love hanging out, talking hockey. You know, drinking beers. And, yeah, yeah. So 
And again, one, one last shout out to our number one listener, Car the Car Guy, driving to summer with McPhillips Toyota. Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah. Thanks for listening, Carter. You're, you're a huge inspiration for us. Yeah. And to everybody else out there, uh, keep listening. Leave us a, um, a review on, you know, Apple Podcasts or Spotify or whatever it is that you listen on, because that really does actually help uh, with how the show appears on your podcast feed or whatever. So rate and review, and we appreciate every single one of you listening. And uh, we'll catch you next season. And, uh, you know, I guess that would be coming September, October, something like that. So until then, keep a stick on the ice. And uh, 110. And what song are we hearing? Oh, and the song. Right, we're going to go out on a tune here, as we do. And what better tune to go out on, Randy, than classic all-time Canadian band, The Tragically Hip. And this is a song called Fireworks, which, I mean, if you don't know this song, I don't know what to tell you. It's a beauty. It's just the, it's the, it's the one, right? This it's, is the, it's uh, the one. It's the one. Yeah, it's the one. And it comes off of a brand new EP or well, like they a, released a re-released a, EP. Yeah, they kind of released some different themed EPs, you know, on your music streaming services. And this one is one that is called The Lonely End of the Rink. So it's six songs by the hip about hockey. Gotcha. Which is Same it. name as Grant Lawrence's book. Absolutely. Past guest Grant Lawrence. Yeah. So there you go. Check it out. All right. Until next time, hockey fans, we'll see you later. If there's a goal that everyone remembers, it was back in 072. We all squeezed the stick and we all pulled the trigger.